0: stuff so you know if you were a smart person you were really shy and you didn't want to be in front of people you could get jake he'd film you that way you wouldn't have to but i'm sure for matthew that was very hard to sit there and watch himself <laughs> it's hard to, and he did great though it was really good i was surprised I, how did you remember all that stuff teacher it's the, te- the school teacher and him well, one of the worst things for preachers is to listen to their own message. I can't listen to anything I preach. Yet. I can't bear it. It's, I can't stand it like, God, please help people. And, and even worse, though, the worst, is to watch yourself preach. You see all these little quirks that you have that you really shouldn't have, and things you do that you shouldn't do, and things you say that you shouldn't say. So I ask God to forgive me. being a jerk and, you know, doing stuff, and one time somebody was saying, I used to rub, when the Lord would start touching me, for some reason I had this terrible habit of rubbing my thigh, because it seemed like (laughs) God would get on my thigh, and finally somebody said, Byron, don't do that no more, because it looks like you're rubbing a certain part of your body that you shouldn't be rubbing in public, (laughs) so I broke that habit right Uh there, I'm not doing that no more, no sir, I'm not rubbing myself back there, you know, (laughs) anyways, one thing I was thinking, yeah, Amen. You're welcome. But I like the video thing, though. As long as I'm not on it, I tell you that. Now I'm not doing that video stuff. Best to be best to be unknown. Um, one thing I was thinking about this church. Um, I was thinking about it actually Friday night. We had a great time. How many people came Friday night? That was just. It's first time the Helsers have been here in a couple of years, and you know we've known them forever. It used to be Ken, Ken Helser, from back in the early '80s, uh, that would come and minister. He'd sit with his little piano and share these little songs and stories and stuffed animals, and <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was great. We always loved Ken Helser. He's real creative and storyteller. But you know, John, as Jonathan got older and got doing music, we sort of shifted to Jonathan because, you know, his music was a little bit more upbeat than Ken's, and we sort of liked the upbeat music, so, but we still love Ken, you know, but Jonathan's turning out to be a lot like Ken, actually, but I don't even know why i was saying all that, but it doesn't really matter. Friday night. Friday night, yeah, 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 Friday night, huh? Yeah, well, I was thinking of one thing about this church, okay, I was thinking about this church is a great church to be a pastor of, and it's a terrible church to be a pastor of, okay? At the same time, here's why it's great. A lot of people in this church have a lot of passion for the Lord, okay? And that are really going after the Lord and are not satisfied with just status quo Christianity. They're not satisfied just to be, you know, status quo, just to be saved and go to heaven, so to speak. They want something more out of their Christian life. Well, that's awesome, uh, that there's people like that because that's what we're going for, right? But the downside of that is people like that can really be challenging to pastor because they'll just walk all over the top of you if you get in their way or if they think you're in their way. You know, so you had to be careful. Like, I'm not in your way, <laughs> believe me. Please do that, but just don't, you know, do, you know. It's, well, it's just kind of a tricky thing. But the point is this: that's the part of this church that I love is I love that I get to be part of people who are really going after the Lord and who are not just interested in status quo Christianity but have passion in their heart and desire in their heart to really go somewhere in God and be everything that God's called them to be. And sometimes, well, no, not sometimes, all the times that can be very messy. It's messy. It's a mess. It's a big mess. But it's a God mess. And the truth is... There's two kinds of messes. There's God's messes, and then there's everybody else's messes. I will take God's messes any day of the week over the other mess, because you're going to deal with mess in this life, because this life is messy. But it's it's so wonderful to be involved in the messes that's created in the kingdom. You know, it really is. It's just a powerful thing. So I just wanted to thank everybody for these hearts. Amen. So, anyways, I'm going to read this, Genesis 3. Now, what I'm talking to you about this morning, I have two messages I want to give you, one today and one next Sunday, okay? And there are, this is part one, and next Sunday's part two. It's about vision, okay, the vision for this church, okay? Now, being the way I am, I want to tell you why the vision for this church is what it is. So that's why I'm going to try to explain to you a little bit today. Okay, I'm not going to tell you the vision today. Y'all know the vision. If you don't, you will. But is everybody clear on that? Uh, I want to read Genesis 3, 7 through 10. And this is right after uh, Adam and Eve ate the, from the tree of knowledge. Okay, and it says, Their eyes were open. Both, both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So I want you to remember this little thing about figs, fig leaves. Figs, everybody say figs. figs. F stands for fear, I stands for insecurity, G stands for guilt, and S stands for shame. And so that's really what was happening in their life at that moment. Suddenly this fear, this insecurity, this guilt, and this shame came upon them, and that's what that, was prophetically speaking to us, As we mankind at that moment was covered with that. They covered themselves with it in the sense that God didn't do that to them. They did that to themselves. Uh, and so anytime in our lives, when we feel any of those four things operating in our life, anytime we feel fear, anytime we feel insecurity or guilt about something or shame about something, it's from the tree of knowledge. It's from the fall of man. It's from this world and the things of this world and the demonic things that have influenced that versus what the Bible talks about, faith, hope, and love, or uh, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. See, those are the, that's what we should be as believers experiencing. We should be experiencing faith, hope, and love, righteous, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Yet man fell, and that's what they begin to experience. And it says they uh and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. See, they hid themselves. They heard something. They heard God coming and they in their response because of the fig figs operating in their life, they hid. They hid themselves in the in the trees uh, in the garden from the presence of the Lord. Now, um that's what, that's when you begin to have these this, those, the figs operate in your life, that's what you're going to do ultimately. You're going to hide from God, okay? You're going to hide in the trees. Now, I think I may have shared about the trees in the garden. The trees can represent many things, okay, in our lives. They can represent our careers. They can represent our ministry. They can represent our calling. They can re- represent our family. They can represent the cares of this life. Jesus alluded to figs, to, to the trees, uh, in many of his parables, like when he talked about he called a wedding feast, and this person said, I got a farm to go to, I got a wife to go to. Uh, he alluded to it when he talked about in the, in one of his parables about things that choke out the Word of God, the desire for other things, uh, the cares of this life. See, all of those things can be what Christians will hide themselves from the presence of the Lord. And every one of us have, at times, have done that. We, in our minds, we've justified where we're at spiritually. By saying well i don 't really have time because of my family i don 't really have time because of my studies i don 't really have time. you can just whatever you're, whatever it is for you, but that 's what man does and we and we hide from the very presence of the Lord, okay you hide from the very presence the very thing that that gives us life, the very thing that we need so much we hide from and uh One of the things that, well, let me go ahead and read this, uh, verse 9. It says, Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And so there's a time in all of our lives when God begins to call out to us, okay, when we're hiding from Him. He'll begin to speak to us and begin to ask us, where are you? And so I, many times in my life I've been at, at places where I feel like my heart has drifted from God and I was caught up in things. And in the past few years of my life, the thing that has really been astounding to me is I've been hiding amongst some awesome things, uh, things of God like healing and, and dreams. And, and I, you can hide yourself in these things of God. Okay, just as well as you can hide yourself in something of the world. Okay, and God always is faithful, though, to call out to, where are you? You know, what happened to you? What's going on in your heart, son? I mean, what what came between us? Okay, and so, you know, as many have said in the past, you know, when God asks you a question, it's not because He's looking for an answer. You know, He wants you to see something about yourself. And Adam answered, he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And so we feel this nakedness that comes upon us. We feel exposed. Now, uh, Friday night, uh, Melissa Helster shared something that was really astounding to me, what she said, because it really captured where I've been in my Christian life in the past, past probably year and a half or maybe two years. And she she said... In the winter time all the leaves fall from the trees and you can see into the woods you can see clearly into the woods. And I was like, I'm amazed at what she was saying because that's where I feel like God has had many Christians. Is it's been like there's been a spiritual winter time and we've been hiding somewhere. And God has allowed the leaves, the thing that we were hiding behind, the things that were covering us and protecting us, we thought, God has allowed all of that to fall to the ground. And there we were standing. In our, in our place behind the trees hiding away and suddenly it's clear and you can see around you it, but one of the things that really kind of was messing with me uh was what am i seeing okay because i realized my life on a personal level it's gotten it's not gotten clear it's you know, there was a time in my life when I felt like I really understood my life. I felt like I understood the things that God wanted to do. I felt like I understood the dreams and the visions uh, and how God was going to work all that out in my life. I thought I had a, a pretty good handle on where I was going spiritually. And like Amy just so said, I never dreamed it would be like this. This was not ever none of my plan. God had a completely other plan. So what that was the thing that was getting me. is like, Lord, I'm not getting clarity I'm not getting clarity about my life and about what you've called me to do and what you've said about me. And we're supposed to get that right. That's what we've been taught. But, I, but there was something else. It, it was not about me that I was getting clarity. It wasn't about my calling. It wasn't about this church. It wasn't about my children. It wasn't about any of that. Because there's something more important that God desires every man to really see. Because man has a tendency to focus on himself. And when we focus on ourselves like Adam, we begin to see how naked and how exposed we really are. You see, God had no interest in me looking at my own nakedness. Okay, He had no interest in tearing the leaves down and breaking a winter in my life for me to look at me and my, my, my pitiful state, my, my weak state. He wanted me to see something else. Because there's another person involved in this thing. There's another person. Are y'all are y'all following that? And seeing yourself, seeing your vision, seeing your dreams, seeing your hopes apart from this person, this is it will lead to chaos in your life. His dreams, his visions apart from Him, will lead you to chaos. It will lead you to confusion. It will lead you away from Him. It will lead you away from Him. Because Christianity was never meant to be something separate from Him. It was never meant to be a life of of visions, dreams, callings, uh, purpose, destiny, apart from this person. And so, occasionally in our lives, God allows things to be stripped from us. Occasionally, He allows us to be exposed behind all that we're hiding amongst, even the wonderful trees that we're hiding amongst. He allows it all to be stripped away so he, we can begin to see what's really important. He wants us to see Him. I spend a lot of time doing this, looking into myself, evaluating myself. Evaluating where I've been. Evaluating where I was, where I thought I was going. Some of that's good if the Holy Spirit's in it. But there always comes a day when the Holy Spirit says, Enough. You look hard enough, you're going to find something wrong. We don't need to talk about that today. Maybe we'll talk about that on another day. And I thought, Okay then, but what is this? What is this? Let me read this uh, Philippians 3.10 to you. This is Paul you know you know towards the towards the towards the end of his life i mean he was pretty pretty seasoned at this moment and this is what he said uh 310 that i may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death okay this is this is what it is um like this is this order that he's saying. This is the order of life. This is the answer. How many people have questions about suffering? How many people have questions about death? Okay, how many people wonder about their power and their lack of power? How many people go through this thing when, when you lose a loved one, or you lose a job, or you lose this, you lose that, and you're going through difficulties in your life, and you're trying to answer the question. You're saying, why this, God? Why this? How many of us have been there? We've all been there. And th- this is what I learned. There's no answer apart from Him. There's no answer That's why Paul said, he didn't say, I desire to know the suffering. He did not even say, I desire to know the power. He said, I want to know Him. Because apart from Him, the power makes no sense. The suffering makes no sense. The death and dying makes no sense. None of this makes sense apart from Him. That's why Paul told us in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm I'm afraid for you. I fear for you. Because the devil is going to secretly and deceptively and subtly deceive you from this person. And every Christian that I know, me being the first one, have fallen for that trick over and over and over. Is drift, a slow drift from the person of Christ. A slow drift. And one day, he says, I've got to bring the cold weather in. I've got to freeze everything in your life. I've got to cause all the leaves to fall in your life so you can find out where you really are. Where are you? That's the only way you're going to know because as long as everything's beautiful and the birds are singing and the grass is green and the leaves are green and there's life flowing, you tend to not know where you're at when you've gotten away. One of the things that that I felt like for years I've, like, Lord, you know, I've been pursuing a real revelation of the kingdom of God. How many people in here struggle with that? The concept of the kingdom? Yeah. I mean, I even had the Lord speak to me years ago about it. He was going to reveal it to me, show it to me, but I've struggled. I've read books that thick on it, I've listened to hundreds of sermons. And it's like, truthfully, I don't really get it. I've come to the conclusion, the reason I don't get it, because when Paul was talking about the power of his resurrection, he was talking about the kingdom. That's what he was talking about, the kingdom. And the reason you don't get it, because you can never really understand the kingdom of God without understanding this person with apart from this person. And so people pursue the power of God without pursuing this person. I mean, I'm telling you, we need to pursue the power of God. Absolutely. But when we put that... Before we put him, we're we're taking ourselves away somewhere. That's what Paul was talking about. It's, it's subtle. It's tricky. Oh, I'm pursuing the power of God to change the world, to evangelize the world, to save the you know to save the lost, to you know equip the saints, to heal the sick. And Paul said it's tricky though. We need to be doing all that, but it's real tricky because you can slide away from this person. And when you slide away from this person, the kingdom makes no sense. Have you ever wondered about it? I thought about this. All these books on the kingdom of God. All these messages, you know, multiple, you know, nine-part messages on the kingdom. And everybody's still sitting there like, huh? And Jesus comes and says a couple little things like, change the way you think because the kingdom is right here. And there's so much power on that. Like a simple one or two sentences. Or a simple little story about a seed. And that's what the kingdom looks like. A simple little thing. It's because when he was saying it, was he totally was immersed. He was the center of the kingdom. And when he spoke it, it came forth. It wasn't a matter of understanding it. Are y'all following this? Y'all sort of looking at me with these mean looks on your face. <laughs> so... I'll tell you another thing that I find to be striking in the New Testament after Jesus was resurrected. Now listen, this is the key point, I think, is there's no such thing as a kingdom without a king, right? It's just and see, here's the thing. Here's that thing that I started seeing. I realized, you know what? I think what I'm seeing is this person, but he's not just a person, he's a king. He's a Lord. He's the Lord. He's the King. And I began to ask myself, well, I've always believed He is. But is He really that to me? I mean, you know what I'm saying? If you ask yourself that question, I mean, really, not just when you're in church feeling all hyped up and good, you know? I mean, I don't want to feel hyped up and good in But I'm talking about when you by yourself in the dark moment. When things, you know, when you're really looking, is Jesus really my king? Is he is he the king of my life? Is he the Lord? Do I really see him like that? Because we'll never, I don't think we can understand the kingdom of God without understanding the king. Him as king. I'll tell you another thing. This is interesting. If you start studying what those guys wrote uh, in, in the epistles, you know, Jesus preached the kingdom of God. That's what he did. Preach it, preach it, preach it. That's what he preached. That was his message, the kingdom of God. You know, the, the gospel of the kingdom. He didn't He didn't preach a gospel of salvation. There's a difference. Because the gospel of salvation doesn't necessarily include the gospel of the kingdom. So he always preached the greater. He always preached. He always, right from the day he got here, the day he opened his mouth, he was declaring that he was a king in spite of contrary situations in his life. And, and there were people that were declaring him king. There were people like these... Three wise men, they came right from the day one. He's a king, he's a king. And Herod was scared of him, and that's why he had those kids killed, because he was afraid that he really was a king. And Jesus, listen to this, he claimed he was a king. He said, I'm a king. He came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey saying, this is the, I'm the king, you know, and, and everything was going wrong. John the Baptist was in prison and said, if you're that guy, why aren't you getting me out of here? And we're like that with him. If you're the king, what the heck? (laughs) It's the truth. I don't know about you, but I've said that to him. What kind of king is going to let his people starve in prison? And there's people starving in prison that love Jesus. And Jesus, none of that stuff even bothered him. It didn't flinch him. You know what he said? Go tell that dude. Who happens to be my cousin that I grew up playing marbles with? The blind, eyes are open, people are being healed. Lepers are being cleansed. And oh yeah, blessed are those who don't be offended at me when I don't do what they think I should do. Because by the way, I'm the king and I do what I want to do. And it's hard being in that place. It's hard being in that place. It's not easy being in a place when God does stuff that's so counter to what you believe the Scripture teaches. What you've been taught, whether it's right or wrong, it's hard. You want to be offended when God doesn't heal a man. You want to be offended when a man dies whose wife's pregnant and has two little children. You, you walk out, wait a minute, Wait a minute, what is this? What is this, King? See, we've got to face these things with the king. And see, I think a lot of that he's just stripping things away again, so we can really see him and really see that there's something about him. There's things we don't understand, there's things we don't see that, but he wants us to see him. He wants to strip things off of our eyes and strip things out of our lives so we can begin to see him for who he really is. Because you'll never see the kingdom, right? And I'll tell you another thing. You'll never be able to see church, right, with without seeing. It's, I think it's like this. This is what I believe. Now, I'm, I could be wrong. Well, let me read this scripture here. I want to read this one, okay, before I get on there. Are you all okay? John eighteen thirty seven. This is Jesus at the end. This is what he said. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I'm a king. He did not deny that he was a king. You say rightly. I'm a king. He didn't deny it. He didn't act all humble pie. He said, I am a king. For this cause, I was born. I came into this world because I am a king. That's the reason I came here. And for this cause, I have come in the world. For this cause, I was born. This cause, I come in the world. And that I should bear witness to the truth. The truth is, I am the king of kings and lord of lords. And even though you guys may think you have me now, you guys have fallen into a big trap. And I am fixing to do everything I want to do. And I'm using you, you deluded people, to kill me like you think you are. But I'm going to show you I'm a king by being rose from the dead. And the minute he was risen from the dead, the apostles never addressed Jesus Christ as simply Jesus ever again. He was either Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, the man Christ Jesus. He was always addressed who he really is because they knew who he was and that's why those men that's why those men could do what they did that's why Paul could allow himself to be beat senseless that's why Peter could be crucified upside down you know because they knew something that we didn't know they really knew it they didn't know it in their mind they knew it in their hearts and their life was motivated by what what was in their heart Are y'all okay? Woo, mercy, Lord. Now let's read Ephesians 2.19, okay? I am talking about the vision for the church. This is great, isn't it? This is what I'm talking about. I don't really care about a vision for the church. I don't care about a vision for my life. I don't care about those calls. I don't care about all that stuff if I don't have this one thing going in my life. I've got to have that one person. Everything has to operate with him. He has to be the center of everything. He has to be the center of every vision, every ministry, every calling, every purpose, every destiny. If he's not, it's just going to get born. It's going to get old, and you're not going to be happy with it. You're going to grow tired and weary. You're going to go tired and weary of something that really had life on it. But when he's out of it, there's no life on it. I don't care what it is. It can be the coolest, cutting edges looking thing in the world. But if he ain't there, who wants it? I'm serious. Who wants it? If he, if we're not vitally plugged into him, who cares? We can go to China and preach the gospel all over China. But if he is not there with us in it, then, as somebody said, we're just going giving a second-hand story, and it's just no good. But they're not doing that. They're doing it. Anyways, uh, Ephesians 2.19. Paul said this. You are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens. He's talking about being a part of the kingdom. Fellow citizens in the kingdom with the saints and members of the household of God. So you see that. First is Jesus, then the kingdom of God, then the church. You've got to see him. You get a revelation of Him as being the King, being the Lord in your life, your personal life. That's what they were saying this morning in worship. The people who were getting up here saying that, we had to come to a place of surrender. Her, she surrendered her husband. God was just saying, y'all need to come to a place of surrender in your life. That's how you're going to really know me. That's really that way my kingdom works. You totally surrender to me because I am totally in charge. I totally bought you. I totally own you whether you realize it or not. So when we begin to surrender to Him, Our lives, freshly, our hearts is really it. It's not a bunch of outward stuff, it's an inward thing. As we surrender to Him, His glory begins, we begin to see His glory. We get back to the garden where we're not running from His presence, we're running to His presence. You see, that's what happened to man. Man became independent and self focused. And God wants to break that independence off us and make us dependent. And we're no longer looking at self, we're looking at Him. And when we begin to see Him, all that fear and junk falls all of us, off of us. And His love and peace and joy begins to operate in our life. That's where He wants to bring us. That's the ultimate vision. That's why I say the presence of God is the number one thing. Everything else is under that. No matter what anybody tells you. Because they're not telling you the truth. They're not telling you the biblical truth. The presence of God is more important than anything there is. Because that's what, when man fell, that's what they lost. And God says, in Christ, in the finished work of the cross, I've restored you. You can now come back and have fellowship with me. You can experience my presence. You can experience my glory. You can begin to see the beauty of the Lord again. That's what the cross does for us. Y'all won't believe that, right? Y'all do, right? Let me just read just one more scripture, and I'm stopping. Praise the Lord! Right? (laughs) Well, you know that this is what used to blow my mind for years. People would, I say, "Well, what is the kingdom of God?" It's the king's domain, kingdom, king. And I think, what? (laughs) Don't give me that answer. I don't want to hear kings, but it really is. It really is. I begin to see it. Domain. It's God's domain. When Jesus said this, when he came and began to preach, he said, repent, or literally change the way you think, and you can see the king's domain. You can access the king's domain. That's what it is. It's his domain. It's where he rules. And that's supposed to be in us. He's supposed to rule in us. The king's domain, he says, inside of you. Right? That means he's in charge inside of you. We had to let him, though. But this one... I love that now. Come on. Good. Colossians one thirteen, this is the one the Lord gave me after I had a really good vision a few weeks ago about the about darkness and light. There is darkness and light. There's two kingdoms that are operating in the world right now. Okay? There's this one. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. There now note it said power. Okay? The devil Kingdom has power. It's built on lies. It's built on deception, but there's power there. Okay, if you believe the lies and deception, there's power. Don't believe the the devil won't. Paul says that in many places in the scriptures. You know, the kingdom of the power of air. Okay? It's a power that can rule your life if you let it. But but here's what happened at the cross. God delivered us from that. We have been set free from worry and fear and anxiety and everything that's going on in this world. We really have been. Whether we know it or not, you have been set free. That place no longer should have any power in your life, in my life. The power it does is where I'm not believing something right. I'm believing a lie. I'm believing a deception. And God has taken us out of that and put us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Isn't that beautiful? The Son of His love. That's how the kingdom... of of god works it works on faith energized by love that's how it works where the kingdom of darkness works on fear insecurity guilt and shame what what they were experiencing that day in the garden that's how the kingdom of of darkness works fear insecurity guilt and shame the kingdom of heaven works on faith energized by love okay and the kingdom of heaven is full of light It's full of revelation. It's full of God. It's full of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So when we're saying, Lord, show us your glory, show us your glory, that is one of the most biblical songs you could actually sing. And when we say, Lord, your kingdom come, we're saying, Lord, manifest that world in this world right now. That is biblical to say that. There's power on that. It's the most perfect prayer we could pray over somebody. Manifest your domain in China. Manifest your domain in my house. Manifest it. I want to see this come. I want to see this glory come out. my life. Your rule, the person, the king. Now, when we begin to pray that way, something could really happen for us. God, I believe, wants to reveal the... I think He wants to reveal three things. One, He wants to reveal Himself to us in a fresh way. Because the leaves are down. We're back here in the trees. We can't hide very good any day. And he's saying, where are you? And we're saying, well, we're down here in these trees, and we ain't hiding very good because these are skinny trees. And I'm trying to hide behind a little old sapling, and obviously it ain't working. And I'm feeling kind of naked back here, actually. You know, I'm feeling a little naked here, Lord. Okay? So he wants to reveal himself to us, like, oh, there he comes. There comes the voice walking We run to the voice, we run to the presence. And we stay, John 15, abiding in Him, connected to Him. We just stay that way. Can I just say this? And I had to be careful. I'm not a believer in quiet times. Okay? You know how people have quiet times in the morning. I don't believe in that. I believe in all the time. I've really come to believe that. I really do. I don't believe we should just have a moment a 10-minute, 30-minute, hour time, and then we get up and go on and do everything we do with our life and we're disconnected from the spiritual realm the rest of that day. That's crazy. Now, I will say this. I do believe in having time to sit down and be still and know that He's the Lord. I'm into that and, and reading the Word. I'm into all that. But I'm just saying there's something higher than a quiet time. And that's abiding in Christ. Living your every day, every moment life. It is possible. Jesus said do it. It has to be possible. There's power to do it. It's being plugged into Him all the time. All the time. Where we get used to it, and here's what you do. You know when you're not plugged in. By the, in other words, you're, all, you're plugged in so much you sort of forget you're plugged in. And then when you, start, you unplug, you start feeling anxiety, lack of peace. You start striving, Up, oh, I've unplugged. Forgive me, Lord, I'm plugging back in. But I believe that's what God wants to do for Christians. Is that we live our life we live our life in Christ. It's possible. It's possible. But what will take you out of Christ is when we lose the sense of Him, the person. Okay, now I'm not going to be religious here and say we should seek just Christ and not His power, not His kingdom. That's not true. But I am saying He has to be the center of our lives. This person. And so I don't want to have a vision in the church without saying what I said this morning, because if I could say, that's what I see. I, in my life, I've seen this. I've seen this person, and I felt like the Lord's allowed the winner to come in my life to help me see Him, not me. In fact, He said, "Get your eye, you know get your eyes off, put your eyes on Me, and see Me." And when you see Me, And you begin to realize there's this person that's deeply in love with us and deeply cares about everything in your life. And he's not a person to run from. He's not a person to hide from. He's a person to run to because he was going to them. And he's always been going to us. Always. I don't care what you think. I don't care what your circumstances are telling you. He is going towards you. And He really wants us to see that. And if we can begin to see that, then I think that the kingdom will start coming in to more focus in our lives. And the church, the body of Christ, His glorious body will become more focused in our life. We'll begin to see it for what it really is. I think God really wants to do things for people. I think He really wants us to, you know, be him in the earth to walk in the earth like he walked do what he did because he really everything he did was to show us this is the way you do it I'm showing you an example of the way way I meant for you to live the Christian life and so we see that in him he begins to allow the kingdom revelation to come the power starts coming starts flowing in your life and it won't corrupt you then because it didn't corrupt Jesus. He won't mess you up because it didn't mess Jesus up. You know? Amen? Amen. Well, okay. Lord, thank you this morning. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Sure. This is cool. When you, started, when you started with an acronym for your message, FIGS is forgiveness, or no, fear, insecurity, guilt, and shame. During worship, the Lord gave me an acronym, which was really cool. And the acronym was JESUS. And it was that the reason Jesus came was for this reason. There is judgment for every sin under the sun, and Jesus takes it all. Isn't that wild? And then you started with fear, insecurity, guilt, and shame, which is what the judgment for every fear under the sun brings, and Jesus took it all. Isn't that so cool? That is good. Thank you, Lord. I just want to ask you this morning. I want you good, passionate people who are on fire for Jesus, which most of you really are. And if you're not on fire for Jesus, you really do have a fire in you, I hate to tell you. It's just got to go a little dust on it, a little stuff on it. Just, I want, if you, I want, Lord, we want, I want, we want, all of us want. I believe deep down in the desire of hearts every person in this room is a desire to know you. But rather be known by you is what Paul said, Lord. Rather be known by Christ. That you are a knower of our hearts and we want to open our hearts to you right now and let you know us so that we really can know you. Mm. I just thank you for that, Lord. Lord, we want to exalt Christ in our lives. We want Christ to be the focus of our life. We want Jesus Christ. What Becky said earlier, it was all about Jesus in those days. We just loved Jesus. Whatever Jesus was up to, we were up to. We just wanted to be around Jesus. Lord, I pray You'd stir our hearts again. Lord, just stir in the hearts of every person in this room that that Christ the Lord, that Jesus Christ would be exalted in our life, that we really would begin to see Him, not in a religious way, but a real way. And we would fall in love with this person, with this man, Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray this morning for every person, That they would fall in love with you afresh. Like a man that suddenly looks at his wife one day and realizes, Wow, i got a great wife. I really love her. i got to get to know her better. I want to be more intimate with her. I want to be closer to her. Lord, I pray you would do that with us towards you. That we would see you, Lord, and we would see how beautiful you are, Lord. And all those in this room that are in that prison like John the Baptist wondering, What in the world are you, Lord? I pray that somehow you would speak to their hearts. You'd speak to their hearts today. And they would be liberated, Lord, because you said you came to set the captives free, Lord. You don't want people to be captured in disappointment or discouragement or failure, Lord. God surely wants to make all of us a success when it comes to him and his kingdom. Every person in this room, you can be a success in him, in Christ, in the Lord Jesus. Mm, I just thank you for that right now, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come right now. Just come and begin to touch people in this room. Touch these hearts, Lord. Lord, break hearts this morning. Just break our hearts, Lord. Break our hearts towards you, Lord. Just release an anointing for passion for the Lord Jesus Christ. Just that. Oh, Lord, release this. Get, break this religious spirit off of us, Lord, that tells us there's something else more important than Christ. There's something more important than the presence of God. Get that off on of us today. God, we reject that thought. That's from hell. Lord, we come against the lukewarmness. We just condemn lukewarmness. Lord, I come against disappointment in people today. Lord, just break that spirit of disappointment and discouragement that gets on people when they just feel so disappointed about their Christian life and about their dreams, Lord. Just break it off of them today, Father, and free. Free people. Get them in liberty today, Lord. Real liberty. Real liberty, Lord. I pray for people's finances. They just would get all this thing broken off of them about being busted and broke all the time, Lord, and not having money and not having a future, Get that off of them. Lord, they have a future. They have have access to the most wealthy being there is. Their Father in heaven who owns everything. You own everything. Uh, When He took us out of the kingdom of darkness and put us in the kingdom of light, one of the things that that means is He will provide for you in His kingdom. You don't have to worry about that. He wants to do that for you. He wants to show you how to receive out of His kingdom provision. Because there's a lot of provision in the kingdom of heaven. Lord, just do that. Thank you, Lord. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, is a new creation. That's what it says. We are going to choose to be those new creations today. You know, if there's somebody in here, I'm looking around just trying to see if there's anybody here that may not be saved. I don't know everybody here, but, you know, if you don't know Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today's a great day to get in. A great day to get into the kingdom, to get out of darkness, to get into His kingdom. It's a great day. It's a great day. God's going to save a lot of people. You know, there's a harvest coming. A lot of people are going to get saved. It's going to be a big mess. You think Christianity's been messy so far? It's going to be so messy. Woo! Uh, we, it was, so, it's going to be really messy. We had a, we had a, a memorial service here for Alton Troglin, and I looked around that room. I said, "Is this my future, Lord?" It was a mess. There was people back in rooms throwing up, caring, you know, just caring. I was thinking, yeah. They were getting touched by the presence of the Lord, and they had stuff in them that was vile that didn't like that. And I was thinking, good Lord, this is going to be really messy, this harvest is going to be. It's going to really offend the church people. You know, it's going to make the church people mad because they're going to ruin the church. They're going to destroy the church. And I think we should be happy about that because it's what God's heart is to save so many people saved so many people. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm, I'm hoping we got people that have a heart to press through the throwing up and the carrying on, you know, and can deal with the mess and like, okay, we need to help these people get, you know, help them, Lord, please. <laughs> Especially me, because I would be throwing up with them. But I believe there's a harvest coming. I really believe that. I believe there's a harvest of souls that the great Lord. Who says, lift up your eyes right now. And look, there's a harvest out there. And I want to reap that harvest. I want to bring those people into my house. And I want to teach them about how I am. I want to heal their lives and make them whole. Lord, we ask you to do that. And we want to teach them about the presence of Jesus. How wonderful he is. Mm -hmm. Amen. Somebody bail me out. Yeah. We could just
1: get the ministry team up. I believe there might be people in the room that want to respond to the Holy Spirit, drawing them closer. If you don't haven't known the Lord or you feel like you just have gotten rusty in your relationship with the Lord, uh, we just want the ministry team to pray for you. If you're sick, we want to lay hands on you. Um, mm, I do particularly feel the rusty thing feeling like you're not really feeling like you're not where you need to be with God and um just come on up and respond he is the king will release the kingdom on you so thank you Lord you can stand up right now if you would and thank you Lord mm. whoa thank you Jesus thank you for your presence thank you Holy Spirit that you're the one that draws hearts you draw us close, Lord, that you're the hound dog of heaven drawing us, Lord. You're always drawing, Lord, drawing us near to you, Lord God. Lord, you're wanting us to draw so near that we feel your very heartbeat, Lord God. So um, if you just want to respond to the Lord, come on up. I just feel a fresh rain coming on down. Wow. So just um, lift it up. And just respond to the Holy Spirit right now. Just a minute or two more before we dismiss you. Mm, yeah, there's this fresh stuff. There's fresh, fresh glory falling right now in this room. Wow. It was really thick up here earlier and now it's coming again. Thank you, Lord. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, just as we respond to Him, you know the King. I felt like the Lord gave me a word this morning for us, and that we're His, we're love children, love child. It's really what I heard. Mmm. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yeah, just come. Whoo. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you love us and you're drawing the children again. You're drawing us as children again, Lord. Whoa. Ho. Draw us nearer. Nearer, precious Lord. To your precious bleeding side. Draw us nearer, Lord. Closer to you. We've got to get closer to the Father. We've got to get closer to the Son. We've got to get closer to Jesus Christ. Closer. Closer. Oh, closer. Lord, we just say, draw us closer, Lord. Whoa. Whoa. We've got to get closer. We've got to get closer. We've got to get closer. Mmm. Thank you, Lord. Blessed be your name.